Welcome to another episode of Footnotes. Today we're talking with Aaron Mahagan, who's the founder of Libby Lou Lane, a Greenville, South Carolina-based company that makes intimate apparel, of all things. But what I think you ought to know about Erin is she is a woman that was set on fire by a personal problem that she had. And rather than staying where she was in frustration and just bewilderment, she got out her needle and thread and she changed the way that women will think about intimate apparel maybe forever. I'm excited for you to hear this conversation up next on Footnotes. Aaron, thanks for sitting down with us. We're with Aaron Mahagan, who is the founder of Livy Lou Lane, and you're based in Greenville, South Carolina. Right? Yes, we are, yes. Well, why don't we start where most things start, and let's talk about Livy Lou Lane and what you're doing and sort of a little bit how you got there, and then we'll just launch out from there. Yes, I um, I always describe myself as a reluctant entrepreneur. I never set out to um, start my own company or um, run my run my own business. Um, essentially, you know, everything about Livy Lou Lane stems from a personal need and a personal challenge that I had that I was unable to solve with the availability of products on the market, and that prompted me to create this and create Livy Lou Lane and create a solution for women who were struggling like I was. And so essentially, um, you know, I have three girls and I have, so I grew three babies in my belly and I nursed um, each, each of my girls for a year. And throughout all my years of nursing, I had joked with my husband that the money we were saving on formula was going straight to my boob job after surgery. Um, like most, you know, women know your body is going to change. Um, we don't exactly know how it's going to change, but we anticipate it changing. Um, and even after after I finished nursing, I went to a plastic surgeon, and he was terrific and talked everything over and answered all my questions. Um, but ultimately, I couldn't go through with it. It there was a lot of um, an uncertainty and uneasiness that I felt about the surgery. It felt really drastic and permanent and expensive. And um, so I, I didn't end up going through with it, but I was still left with these feelings of um, being really insecure about how I felt about myself, how I looked, um, and those feelings of insecurity, I couldn't shake. And I really had a hard time um, with my self-confidence and feeling um, I was in this negative body image spiral that I couldn't get out of. Um, and so that's what ultimately led to the start of Libby Luling. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about the negative body image. I know when we had our kind of our conversation before the conversation, um, you had brought that up. At the time, would anyone other than yourself have known that the way that you felt about yourself or was it totally inside? Absolutely not. Um, you know, I would share, you know, self-deprecating humor sort of, you know, with friends, but I wasn't quite as open and honest with my friends um, about exactly how I was feeling inside. Um, I was pretty honest with my husband, um, but he he didn't see what I saw. And it was, I feel with, when you're talking about your body image and your self-confidence, it is such a personal, personal thing. And it's, a personal feelings inside and a turmoil inside you that it's it's hard to articulate that to, to somebody else because what they see is not necessarily how you feel. Mm -hmm. And so looking at me, you wouldn't, you know, you would, 
most people would think, well, how does she, how does she have self-confidence issues? You know, she doesn't have, I don't struggle with a weight problem. You know, I was able to, to drop the baby weight that, you know, some women struggle with. And so it was a hard thing for other people to relate to what I was experiencing, but it was very real to me and very um, hard for me to reconcile how I was feeling. So how fast did that did those feelings turn into the action you took to sort of form Libby Lou Lane? It was, you know, like I um, once I ruled out plastic surgery as an option, you know, what what I was experiencing was my my bras and clothes weren't fitting the way they were before kids. So I had um, the bras I was used to wearing had big gaps because I ex- experienced them breast tissue volume loss from pregnancy and nursing. And so, but when I went down a cup size to eliminate the gaps, then I lost my shape in my clothing. So I was dealing with two issues that I couldn't, I didn't feel like myself in my clothing, they weren't fitting, um, my bras weren't fitting. And so once I ruled out surgery, I was just trying anything in order to just stop gap and make myself feel better. I didn't know what I was gonna do ultimately long-term, but I found these things that you would typically sew into a prom dress or a wedding dress if you didn't want to wear a bra. And I was just stuffing them into my bra, like straight up middle school, high school situation. Um, But when I was walking out of Target one day, it was sticking out of my tank top. And I was absolutely mortified and didn't know how long it was like that. And I was, I could not fathom. And I was thankful that I was not in a situation with friends or some a situation where I knew people who could have seen me like that, but it was a horrible feeling and something that I did not want to ever happen again. And so I went back home and I just Frankenstein just stitched it into my bra so it wouldn't fall out and wouldn't happen again. And I'm not a seamstress. I don't have any sewing talent whatsoever, um, but I just tried to make sure that that experience would not happen again. And literally one day it just hit me. I'm like, this this, it shouldn't be like this. Women deserve better. I shouldn't have to go through this struggle. I shouldn't have to go through this endless hours of searching for a solution. I shouldn't have this experience at Target where I'm completely embarrassed and mortified. There should be something out there for women who are struggling like I am that can help us feel better, where we can get dressed, we can move on with our day, and we cannot think about it. There's, I feel women are so important to our you know, workplaces, communities, families, homes. We we are so integral that to waste that time, I felt like I was wasting time and energy in feeling this way. And if there was a simple solution for me to just get dressed and move on with my day so I could focus on more important things and tackle all the challenges that came my way that day, that's what I was after. And I just wanted to skip that whole part in the beginning of me feeling not feeling great about myself and not feeling confident and not feeling like myself and get to the part where I knew that I could be. And it just seemed like a simple solution, but there wasn't anything available for me. And I'm like, I can I can do this. And I remember running to my husband and shaking the bra in his face that I had <laughs> stitched everything into and being like, this should exist. This should exist. I shouldn't have to do this. I can make something that will not only help me, but will help that can help other women too. And that's it. And he looked at me and he said, I love it, do it. He didn't, he didn't say, you know, okay, let's, you know, calm down, you know, let's let's put together a business plan, let's do some market research, you know, like he just looked at me and he said, I love it, do it. So you can start a business without a PowerPoint. 
and well, in theory, yes. I, maybe I wouldn't recommend it. You know, there probably there should have been some pre-planning involved, but um, I certainly appreciated his enthusiasm and encouragement from the very beginning because that was what I needed to hear in the moment. I didn't need, you know, that light and that spark and that excitement to be extinguished by all of the all of the work that was absolutely necessary and what I eventually did. But that's in that moment that was the most beautiful thing you could have said to me. Yeah, that, that is really, that is great. Um, because I think, you know, a lot of people have that sort of reason to do something like like you did. And then when, when they take that moment to sort of put it out there to whomever that would be, I mean, that's, that's a legit make or break moment, like in a true sense. So it sounds like yours was a make, a make moment. Yes, and I would say that you continually have those moments. You know, every time I, you know, put myself out there or I stand in front of a room full of people or um, tell somebody what, tell someone about Livy Lou Lane or why I'm building it or what I'm building, you know, I feel like I always get those feelings of, you know, a little bit of anxiety or anticipation of how it's going to be received or, you know, I think that, I don't think that ever goes away or at least it hasn't for me. Yeah. Oh, you know, again, maybe it's because you you were the first customer. I do feel like that sometimes. I remember that, um, you know, that old hair club for men commercial. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you're growing up where the right. CEO says, I'm not just the CEO, I'm also a customer right. or something. I, I, I feel that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's interesting. I mean, our firm has had experience with with women um, founded businesses that started out, started out as, as this, you know, sort of intense personal mission that they were on. For whatever that thing was, they were customer number one, you know, and they did something to solve their own problem that, you know, either someone else looked over their shoulder and saw it and said, hey, what's that? Or, you know, they used a blog to kind of tell people, like, this is what I did to fix a problem. Not necessarily, this is what I've done to sell you to fix your problem, it's I've I've fixed my own problem and 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 here it is. But you did turn it into a business, you know, and you do make things that people can can buy. Um, take us through, you know, from the point where your husband said, "Let's do it," I love it, to I mean those early stages of of not where you were sewing them yourself. But what was what was all that like? I mean, I think again, most people sort of think like, "Oh my gosh, that would be so hard." But you did it, so yes, I um, take us through it. I was incredibly naive when I started, honestly. And to to be frank, I thought the hardest part about of of starting your own business was coming up with the idea. <laughs> you know, I thought I was like, <laughs> that's why people don't start more companies is no one's got like that big aha, you know, big moment where they're like, oh, this is good. This is a great idea. So I have my idea. Now we're off to the races. And that is not, <laughs> I'm here to tell you that that is, that is not exactly how it goes. There's a few more steps involved. Um, and I don't come from a manufacturing experience it, it, background. I don't have any design experience. I don't have, you know, any supply chain experience. So I'm, I was starting from ground zero. Um, but I, felt very strongly about the need for this. So I just blindly marched forward. And I um, contacted a few companies in the US that work with small fashion brands starting out because that's really where um, someone in retail, a small brand like us kind of gets hung up is because the minimum order quantities are so big when you're working with a factory and the design and production of it. And so 
I found a few companies that would, that that's what they do. They specialize in this and kind of bring it down to a level that is accessible to someone just starting out. Mm-hmm. And the first company I called said, oh, that's really interesting. Best of luck to you. I was like, okay, thank you very much. Um, the next company I talked to um, said, we've done one underwire bra project and it was so complicated. We will never do it again. And I said, interesting. So what I did not realize was that when it comes to, say, if I had a idea for a terrific pair of jeans. A pair of jeans typically has around eight different components between the zipper and the seam and the stitching. And an underwire bra can have anywhere between 34 and 36 components to it. It requires special manufacturing equipment. And so there was this whole host of problems that I didn't know exist from just the product that I was trying to create. Um, But I did find one company that was willing to take on our project. They didn't necessarily have experience in intimates, but they were willing to try. So I was grateful that they were at least willing to try. And we worked for almost a year and a half. And I unfortunately spent a lot of time and money and could never get to a prototype that I was happy with. They just didn't have the experience, the expertise, or the equipment to get me to something that I thought was viable for us to move forward with. So start, stopped working with them. And then fortunately I found a woman who had spent her career in intimates, who had just started her own smaller agency trying to help small brands like us. And so she was able to take my idea and translate it to a tech pack, which is what a manufacturer needs. So similar to what an architect designs, you know, plans for a building that a contractor then uses to build. The tech pack is what a manufacturer uses to create the product. What was it like? I mean, you said you started, you know, with this level of naivete, but also sort of a lack of network. And you had to find these manufacturers and then eventually you found this this woman. Um, what was that journey like? Was it fun? Was it frustrating? All the above? Yeah. I How would, long did it take? Yeah, I would say, so I first thought, came up with the idea for Living Blue Lane. I think it was around 2016, somewhere in somewhere around there. And then we didn't launch our first product for people to hold, purchase, buy um, until January of 2021. So it was a very long process of us finding somebody that could help, that could work with us. Then it was working through the prototype and finding the factory. And so luckily the initial designer I worked with had connections with manufacturers that she'd worked with before. So she was able to connect us to to a manufacturer in South America that could produce our first production run, kind of our beta test MVP version of the bra. But it was, it was, I mean, you just, but you don't know what you don't know. And so I just kept on calling and kept on trying and kept on researching because I thought I was like, there's, I'm not the first person that has tried to do this. You know, there's people try to, people try make products all the time. Surely I can find somebody. I just got to keep on going. And so I just kept making phone calls. I kept, you know, researching manufacturers and tried to ask a lot of questions when I got somebody on the phone. And, you know, you just, I just kept going. Yeah, that, that is, um, it is simple. You know, again, not necessarily that it's easy, but it's pretty simple. Like you said, you just kept going. Also, I mean, based on those dates from 16 to 21, we had a little pandemic 
kind of kind of in yeah. in in the latter part of that, yeah. and that probably I'm sure impacted you know manufacturers' ability to even take phone calls, right? And, things like and that. supply chain, and you know it was yes, that was you know, and then I went from you know the timing being absolutely perfect for our launch, where you know my youngest was going off to kindergarten to now we're doing e-learning, and I'm having to teach third grade, first grade, and you know like yeah. then and and launch a business, you know, so it was it was totally unexpected and completely uncharted waters for a lot of, you know, working family, working sure. parents. It was just, it was a very challenging time, let alone a, in, in general for any even established business or established career, but especially for someone who, you know, was trying to navigate waters that they, in two different areas and trying to, you know, be a mom, teacher, and then also a founder for the first time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of, it's a, those are a lot of roles to maintain yeah. and, and to feel like, even though probably people that you were, I mean, your family thought you were doing a great job is, is kind of going back to even what you were talking about, some of the internal struggle with image, you know, am I doing enough? Am, am I, is this adequate? You know, um, you haven't mentioned it, but um, did imposter syndrome come in anywhere? Oh. Does it still come in? Oh. Yes, yes. You okay. can you can put that in present tense question. Oh, 100%. There's there's constant, um, I would say there's constant internal, you know, struggles that, you know, who do you think you are? Who, who that you think you can do Why this? Why is that or? after this? I mean, it's 2023 and you're doing this. What, where does that come from? I, I think that there's <clears throat> just, um, you know, there's always, you always hear the stories of success and the people who have made it in those encouraging stories. But for every one of those stories that I hear and every one of those, you know, leaders and, you know, founders and, you know, trailblazers that I look up to, there are a hundred stories of people who have tried and failed to. And so that's, that's always in the back of my mind is how do I, how do, what, how do I make sure that I, am on the other side and not part of the part of the failure aspect of it. But I think that's also, you know, probably a character flaw that I could, you know, certainly spend some time delving into too is that what is success? What is failure? You know, you know, what is what I think that that can be defined in a multitude of different ways. And so, you know, is success, you know, an exit? Is success having a team of 10, 20, 30 people? Or is success just taking an idea and creating a product and bringing it to market? You know, so I think that there's there's a, a range of possibilities of what success could look like and it's figuring out what that looks like to you and being comfortable with that. Has your definition of success for Livy Lou Lane changed since you began this or has it been fairly consistent? I have always, you know, I think if there was a if there was a crystal ball, I would love to know, you know, how the Livy Lou Lane story goes and how how it ends, if it ends or where, you know, how my involvement along the the journey goes, but success to me for Livy Lou Lane has always been reaching and helping women. You know, because I know that feeling and I know how I felt, and I know. I still, I still feel the same. Can f- 
feel 2016 Aaron inside me. And I know that there are women out there that feel that same way. And so I've experienced the, you know, those internal struggles and those emotions and what that did to me and how it filtered into all other areas of my life. And then I felt how this product has helped me. And so I've, I know what it can do because I've felt it in that way for me. And so that's where my North Star is, is finding those women and showing them that there's this solution that could possibly help. Yeah, it's, it's I, I just keep going back to, you know, sort of this this personal mission that, I mean, you, you communicate it so clearly. Um, and it's not even just that you've worked on communicating it because like a lot of founders, I mean, you're, you're raising money, you're doing things like that. You have to, you know, give the pitch and things like that. But I remember, when I heard you talk about your company for the first time, that's just what I was like, oh, I've heard this before. Not that I've heard about your product, but I've, at our firm, we have experience with with a couple of female founders that, you know, have this intense personal story. And not even to be dismissive, but it was like, oh, I've heard this before, and this, this is gonna be a runaway success. You've seen this model. This is gonna be a <laughs> runaway success, you know? And I think sometimes from the outside, you, you can see that because that, when you're customer number one, you know, it's different than maybe looking at something from the outside and saying, well, there's a need out there and I think I can solve it, but I've, I've not necessarily been impacted by it. Um, I don't know what it's like to live with it. Uh, you know, all these kind of things. It's just maybe I've got the technical expertise or the market expertise to, to go in and tell people what they really want. You know, and, and when, I th when I hear you talk about you know, coming out of the target that day and what you realized on top of what you were already feeling leading up to that, just you taking that and spinning and turning it into, or taking action, you know, is just what really I think is striking about, about the story. Because I think a lot of people um, maybe focus on how too much, like, how do I make a bra? How do I do this? Well, you went home and just grabbed some thread and tied up the needle and like went to town, you know, and just, and, and sort of fixed it, if you yeah. will. And then that even led into, okay, let's, let's make one. And then, like you said, the process of you talk to people, you find this other person, another conversation leads to that person. And then all of a sudden you find out about a tech pack. I didn't know what that was. Yeah. <laughs> no idea. And my guess is if you Google, how do you start an intimate apparel company? You're not going to find a line in there that says, oh, get your tech pack together. This is what a tech pack is. And I remember being, you know, I'd be on the phone call with somebody and they would <clears throat> say acronyms or say words and I'm Googling it at the same time because I had no idea what they were talking about, but I didn't want it to appear as though I had no idea what they were talking about. But that's, you know, you don't know what you don't know until you get to the point where you need to know it. <laughs> so so you've gotten you've gotten to coming to the point where you're you're making things you, you were recently featured on the today show um, you know where they were talking about your product i'm sure that led to orders you know it's it's a thing now take us take us a year or two into the future i mean what would you like to see the company doing what do you what do you have planned that you would like to share um, what what's happening now yeah i am um, i've always seen livy lulane much larger than a single product concept. I, th I don't. I see this as a brand that women turn to and trust versus just a one product company. 
Um, so while we started with one design and two colors, um, we are working right now on our first collection, which will include um, more sizes, more colors to this first design that we have, along with two other styles. There'll be a wireless style and a bralette style. But even amongst intimates, I want to expand to other products as well. We get a lot of requests for swimwear. And so that's, um, I see that as a natural growth for Livy Lulane. Um, you know, women in a bathing suit is a already naturally um, very vulnerable um, experience for a woman, let alone a woman who has self-confidence issues about how her body has changed. And so I know that there's an opportunity for us to create something that really um, helps women in that area too, along with, um, you know, camisoles, um, tank tops, athletic dresses. Um, I think that there's an opportunity for us to create a wide product portfolio, all with our signature internal pocket and the option to add shape to it. So there is more to come. More to come. This is just the beginning, John. <laughs> what, um, you know, when you and I spoke earlier, you, you talked about some of the manufacturing processes and, and kind of how that is, but maybe you shed a little light for people that are listening that, you know, have never created a product and maybe not don't even want to, but it's just not as simple as even maybe having a tech pack and a manufacturer. I mean, you're talking about other countries, customs, uh, customs and customs. Um, duty uh, fairs, duty yes. fairs, yeah. shipping, all that kind of stuff. I mean, when did you, did you get a master's in logistics? Right, no, I'm working on that. I think it's an <laughs> up applied master's in, right. in logistics. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, what has been key to me is finding um, some experts and people who who know that vertical and know that space. So I'm working with a production expert now who has spent her career, you know, working with intimate brands and that's what she does. She works with manufacturers, she negotiates with manufacturers, she ensures quality and pricing. And, you know, so that has been key for this collection is ensuring that we're not just finding a one-off manufacturer to do our tech pack, but finding a partner who can grow with us who, who is excited about what we're doing and what we're bringing to the market and not just pushing out a product. Mm -hmm. So, and she's fantastic and has the experience and background to know when to push and know when to back off and knows what questions to ask. Whereas I didn't have that on our first, first production. So, so what I'm getting from that is, is it sounds like you've, you've built and maybe are building a team what have you learned about building it? I mean, well, first off, what is it like, you know, when you're the founder and you're doing essentially everything, um, even though you might feel like you're doing it at low skill and low impact, you yeah. know, it's it's only you're, you're doing this. Mm -hmm. And you've got, you mentioned your husband and I'm sure maybe he was cheering from the sideline and he was maybe doing things and I'm sure friends and the rest of your family probably found out about things. But at the end of the day, you know, it was, it was Aaron who was doing it. Mm -hmm. What was it like when other people came alongside as, as members of your team, how to take us to that point? It's, um, it's both exciting and challenging, you know, cause I remember the first, you know, the first kind of email that I sent to somebody as like a handoff, like here's, here's something that I want you to take and run with. Mm -hmm. It was both like a feeling of relief that now that that's off my plate but also this just huge anxiety of unknown because 
it's all been controlled by me so far too. And so you're, you know, you're relinquishing some of that control. And so then it's navigating, you know, how, how do you provide feedback? How do you, how do you make sure that, you know, they're adding value and that you are, um, you know, making sure that it still, still leads to your vision and it still lives up to your standards and where you want where you want the brand to be and how you want it to grow and be perceived and, um, you know, how women will experience our brand and our product. And, you know, all of that is just flows all into it. And so you have all of this, you know, pressure of making sure that you, you know, you can't do it all. You need help. You absolutely do. But how do you convey everything to somebody else who doesn't have the passion and the desire and just the background and, um, you know, mission to reach women and help them and create this brand and product. How do you, how do you replicate that? <laughs> how do you, how do you bring people into that? How do you create that energy and that excitement and that passion, that same passion? Um, because that's, that's what we're built on. Yeah, I can imagine that that can be hard that, you know, especially when you're also not just the founder, but again, customer number one, like the motive, you had those internal motivations and that internal story that drove you to get the needle and thread out and right. create your own, which and makes go through that journey. Everything incredibly personal to me right. too. And so that adds another layer of challenge. You know, it's not just a business to me. It's not just, you know, line items and numbers and, you know, ta daily tasks, you know, it, everything is incredibly personal, which makes it ultra challenging too. Well, kind of along those lines, and, and maybe we can, you know, land it here, but you mentioned at the beginning about you have three daughters. And I think something that, that's been a thread in a lot of conversations that we've had on Footnotes are, are people that have started businesses or, or part of organizations that are doing important things, then most of them have families. I mean, they have a spouse and they have, they have children. And there's lots of writing and, you know, thought leadership, whatever that is, on, you know, work-life balance. Um, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not an adherent at all to anything balance. But... I think you and I talked about earlier, sort of maybe work-life intentionality as a as another way to, to put that. Whereas balance sort of implies that you gotta get the slices on the pie chart kind of equal and you know, you're monitoring those things. But you know, what what have you shown your girls? And and I know they're young, but what what are they seeing? What do you want them to see in you as a business leader? You're also their mother, first and foremost. Yeah. But just as a as a person that went from zero to one in a concept, who's leading a team, also with this personal mission, what, what's your hope for them? What do you want them to see in this company? Yeah, it's, um, it's pretty Which wild. Which is also you, by the way. Yeah, so. right, yeah. I, um, it's pretty wild, you know, having, you know, three kids, but three girls specifically, you know, the strongest influence on a child is their same-sex parent which is, you know, which adds another layer of almost pressure to, you know, to a mother as well, mother to, uh, to three girls. Um, and so I think about, I think about it constantly, but I think about it from a wide variety of aspects. You know, I think about it just from the day-to-day -day aspect of how, how am I looking, how do they see me looking at myself in the mirror? How do they hear me talking about myself? How do they hear me, um, 
talking about my friends. You know, I want to make sure that they're, the messages that they're hearing or the messages that they're seeing is something that's healthy and something that can create um, a healthy, positive body image for themselves. You know, I know the messages that they're going to hear from the world, but I want the message that they get from me and the message that they get from at our house is that they, you know, that they're going to hear a bunch of stuff, but what matters is how you feel about yourself. And that is the most important thing to drown out the rest of the world and the nonsense that you're going to hear. But the most important thing is what you what you tell yourself and how you feel about yourself. So don't let anybody else tell you how you should feel, how you should look, what you should do or say, you know, let that be your choice. You can do anything. You can be anything. You can look however you want, but let it be your choice. Don't let anybody else influence that. Um, and then I think about, you know, what, what, what would it look like, you know, for a, a child to watch, you know, their mom start a company and watch it grow from its its inception. And they, you know, they're they're really sweet. They thought I was famous from the moment I had a website. So their their standards for it are very very low, which is very sweet. Um but they they love it. They're excited. They, you know, they help me package orders and they, you know, they they when they watch the the Today show segment and when the expert was talking about um, our product, she mentioned that the founder started the company and designed this because after she had kids and they all just started screaming, they're like, that's us, that's us. <laughs> they were the kids that they were talking about. So it's really sweet. And it's, um, you know, it's um, something that I think about too, about, you know, how en- encouraging it could be for them to to watch their mom, you know, follow her dream and follow her passion and, um, what that looks like and all the good, bad moments as well, along with the really exciting moments too. You know, it's the long hours, it's the late nights, it's the early mornings, you know, that they get up and see me working in the office or, you know, it's, they see, they're going to see the whole, the whole picture of what, of what starting and growing a business looks like. Yeah. And no, maybe that's the, maybe that is the footnote there is that you, you can invite your children in, into those things. You know, and you, and you have absolutely um, because there literally are some tasks that they can do. But also, I mean, it's beyond that. It's you, you. It sounds like you've just invited them into the process, and in a way, they were part of the process. And I and I want them to see that it's it's okay for moms to have something other than their kids as their whole life and focus. You know, I think absolutely that you know do I love and support and care for them in every aspect of their life, 100%, right? Like any parent. But I also think it's important for them to see that that when they're a mom, if they just choose to be a mom or when they're a wife or a spouse, that it's okay for them to have their own thing too. And that's actually healthy and exciting. And it may mean that sometimes the family has to understand and take a back seat for the moment or for a time or for a season or, you know, because this is taking a lot a lot of priority and they may need to help out or, but I think it's important for them to see that too, that it that's, that's okay, that's healthy, that's exciting for you to have something that you believe in and are passionate about um, for yourself, no matter what it is. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's great. Um, and, and I think that too, I mean, I think about my own family, but again, other, 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 um, 
parents who we've, we've talked to, and we talk to a lot of parents, and sometimes that comes up, or just even the provision from the business and how that impacts the family, the financial provision. Um, also, the, the provision for the founder or the owner in that it's, it's, again, something for them to apply their talents in, something for them to put energy into that, like you said, is another facet of life that, um, you know, we, we were probably created to be a little more multifaceted than, than we all are. You know, we, we want to maybe keep it into these very confined things because it's maybe easier to control or even understand or cope with. But, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty firm believer that we were just kind of made for more, you know, and, and it's why it's, it's so interesting talking to people like you that even though out of something that was started out as very negative, you know, in a way, and I don't mean to put words in your mouth, it's like I was made for more. Like I... I want to do something about this this problem, and I'm probably not the only one. And right. voila, yeah. you know, business is born. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sitting down and talking thank about you. some of these things. I know thank it wasn't you. the typical, you know, uh, pitch deck type no, presentation, this is great. but I think that some of the things that you covered are important, and that there are people out there that are listening that they needed to hear you say those things. So thank you for doing this that. This is great. Thank you. Thank you.